Hi, and welcome to the Indie Music Podcast, the podcast for independent musicians and other audio professionals. We're your hosts. I'm Matt Denton, also known as Mojo of Ragged Birds Music. I'm a Bay Area mix engineer and recording artist. And Douglas Reynolds of Resonance Mastering, a mastering engineer in Bloomington, Illinois. Welcome to Indie Music Podcast, episode 222. Tonight, Matt takes the lead in a discussion on vocal editing. He and Doug talk about various aspects of editing vocals in post-production, getting good recording vocals to begin with, and some hints and tips to help you along the way. Enjoy the show. Doug? Hey. Hey, that was different. I had to, uh, I had to consent to being recorded. Oh, well, I would think that after the last (laughs) time you would be offering to be recorded. (laughs) For sure, for sure. <laughs> now, thankfully, Logic did save. It yeah. auto-saved. I just didn't. Go Logic. It wasn't in the project, but I did have the audio file. That was such a pain. <laughs> yeah, no, our listeners don't know that my uh, my computer crashed halfway through the last episode, and uh, that's why I was quiet. <laughs> that was the main reason I was quiet. This is why I was quiet for the rest of the, the episode there. Yeah. I didn't have and any to be interjections. Honest, I don't think they would know. <laughs> I didn't go, hmm, very much after after my computer crashed. <laughs> you got the, the the Slack message, keep going, keep going. <laughs> That's right. I'm like, keep keep rolling. And you're like, uh, I wasn't recording the Zoom, dude. And I was like, no. I did the <laughs> I did the Luke Skywalker. <laughs> no. <laughs> um yeah, that was something. Yeah, it was uh, not long after that that I uh, I ordered a, a little toolkit from Amazon and took apart my computer and got all the the dust uh, dust mice out of there, blew the fans out, and yeah, it's like a different computer now. It doesn't overheat, doesn't crash every day. You know that's great. And what it took you what like maybe thirty minutes or something and. You've yeah, got like, uh, yeah. You were the way you were talking. It's like a brand new computer. Yeah, it feels like it. Yeah, I mean, it was crashing all the time. I basically opened it up. I'm like, you know what? I should just reseat the RAM or something. Uh, it turns out I don't have any removable RAM in this particular model. Oh, really? Is, um, is it an but error? Then I, or? No, it's it's just a particular. It's like a it's a it's a MacBook Pro, but it it has soldered on RAM. I didn't I didn't realize that. I didn't either. Um, uh, it's just this model this year, I guess. But um, when I opened it up, I was just surprised because, you know, it's not like it's sitting under a desk or anything. I was surprised at the amount of dust inside. I mean, I use it constantly and it's not ever in like dirty locations or or whatever. But, you know, it just it just gathered dust and the fans were when I blew the fans out, just like a puff of it's <laughs> <was> gross. <laughs> yeah, it was hopefully and, you uh, did that outside. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I used to, you know, I worked, used to work in a, um, and then I ran, managed a, a, a Mac repair shop and yeah, I was frequently going outside with a can of air or if I was lazy, I would blow, but, uh, cause sometimes you get, you know, better, better service out of just blowing hard on it there in those cans of air. Um, but man, yeah, I used to find some nasty stuff inside computers, but that's, <laughs> that's, it's like a lifetime ago now. Anyway, that was uh, that was something. But now you're recording, and I'm recording, and everything's good. Yeah, and I think the the way that the last show turned out is uh, is an attribution to your your vocal editing skills. 
<laughs> well, thank you very much. Um, and also to your new compressor. I, uh, I've had to adjust what I do because your, your new, uh, your new inline hardware compressor is really doing a nice job. Oh, thanks. I took a, a picture for my recall last time. Oh, yeah. And I don't know what I did. I must have been messing with stuff before I took the picture because it was like so far off when I tried to recall it tonight. So, oh, really? Yeah. Anyway, it may be a little different. I think it's a little bit less compressed. I think. Would you agree? Um, but you sound normal to me. I don't know if there's a difference between what I'm hearing uh, through the through the Zoom versus what's being recorded. Yeah, I'm not sure either, actually. But I have. Um, I backed the threshold way off on it, and it's just really catching any transients or anything like that in my voice when they. Oh, okay, because yeah, that that episode, your yeah, your voice was uh, was pretty pretty thickly compressed. Yeah, so like. I've just been playing with it and trying to get an idea of what I like here. So the, to, oh, tonight, cool. I've kind of swung to the other end, and I've just got it really, really just barely touching the transients, and we'll <laughs> we'll see how this goes. Well, you're making me uh, earn my paycheck here because <laughs> now, like every week that you mess with your your setup, I gotta change my uh, I gotta change my Doug vocals. Yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I like plug and messing chain. with my setup. So. <laughs> I know you do. Every week, it's like, what did he do this week? <laughs> I gotta change this EQ and change this compressor. <laughs> yeah. But hey, that's what I do, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, other than that, how are you? I'm doing really good. Doing? Like, I haven't talked to you. You've been on vacation. I mean, I want to jump into the episode because you set up that pitch so nicely. You know, I just want to knock it into It's the okay. That, that pitch but... is so good, it's going to last. <laughs> the Bugs Bunny pitch. Yeah. One, two, yeah. three strikes, you're out. Um, but yeah, it's like we stacked up episodes before you left, and it's like I haven't even really talked to you for weeks. Yeah, I feel much. Like. Other than the uh, short banters of frustration about the work days <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> right, right. Little check-ins. Yeah, which is which is cool. Yeah, I do miss chatting. So, but good vacation. Yeah, you all. <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. So, yeah, it's funny how. Uh, well, it's not funny, but it's like there's like a three day rule. It takes you three days to kind of wind down from work and get over the stress of it, and just kind of like finally relax and get out of that headspace. And then it takes you about three minutes <laughs> to get, when you open your inbox and work kind of clobbers you, and you're like, "Well, <laughs> there goes all my relaxation." Yeah. We got out of there and I was, I was not in the mood to spend another night in a hotel. Oh. And so I looked over at my wife and I said, I'm going for this. And so I put in like a, I don't know how far that was, 980 miles or something like that. 15 and a half hour, 16 hour day. Straight through? Straight through. Boom. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> That's long. I still got it. <laughs> Man, I learned in my in my youth when I had more stamina that about 500 miles a day is about peak. Four to 500. Yeah, that's that's a good trick. I don't know. I was just feeling like I want to do something epic. I want something <laughs> for the kids to talk about. I want to brag about it on the podcast. You know, I just yeah. going to go for this. So. Right, right on. Now, I will say I have driven. It's 400 miles almost door to door. From here to see my son in L.A. Yeah. I have done that twice now in one day, there and back. We did um, 17 states in 15 days in a road trip. Oof. Where we went out to the West Coast, came in down in San Diego, drove drove up the the 101, 
mm-hmm. and all the way up into Oregon and then Washington. Oh, wow. and then came back. Yeah, we went out. Uh, we were down, uh, went down through Texas and um, New Mexico, and down into Tucson, Arizona, and then I think oh, that's I've been like ten Highway Ten. We took into uh, San Diego. Man, what a drive! It was awesome. Oh, I bet. We love being in the car and, and just seeing stuff, you know. If you have a good car, <laughs> yeah, it, is a, it, it can be a treat because that's that's a whole swath of the of the country that's just beautiful and as varied as uh, as you can imagine. Yeah, from desert and canyons to redwoods and forests and hills and mountains. Yeah, that's yeah. Wow. And if you're coming back on the northern interstate, what I ninety and stuff, you got to stop at Al's Oasis if you're in that neighborhood. Man, it's the best place ever. <laughs> Where's that? Uh, Al's Oasis. Where's that in South Dakota? Maybe I'll have to look. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> never been, never been to the Dakotas. Oh, yeah, it's really beautiful there. Especially you get up in there around uh, Devil's Tower and and mm. the the monuments and uh, you know the national parks and everything. It's it's that pretty is cool. We could do an episode on like our epic road trips, as I've had a couple. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, and. Hey, uh, kind of in in context is like, so I really got to say Spotify kicked ass on this last trip. So nice. I was pulling up some music and we just let it run. And, and you know, after it plays, whatever your selection is, it'll go into like right. radio mode, you know? Yeah, I love that. And dude, it nailed it so hard. And the stuff that, that was coming up and there was things that I hadn't heard in a long time. And there was other stuff I'd never heard before. Nice. And was, you know, I mean, I got a whole new set of stuff that I'm digging on listening right now because Spotify nailed it. So got to Yeah, I do love that. that. Their algorithm is is killer. And uh, I've said that for a while that that everything else, like all, all other things being equal, their algorithm uh, to me is their killer app. Like their whole daily mix, uh, one, two, three, four. Like I listen to those all the time working out. And when I let stuff go on to radio mode, because I do listen to albums. Um, it knows me like it, it knows my taste. And half the time I'm stopping and looking, well, who's this? Yeah. All right. I got to add those, that guy who I never heard this one before. I'm going to bookmark that for later. Yeah. Cause it, yeah, it, it's got, it's got my number and I love that. On the downside, I'm not getting my data kickback for my cellular carrier this month. So, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> oh, well. oh, well. <laughs> oh, cool. Now it, it, here's what's funny. I was, uh, when uh, after you did your uh, epic episode on um, patch panels, and you said, "Okay, now your turn to be a subject matter expert," and uh, I'm like, "I don't think I'm a subject matter expert on anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a student of life. I'm a student of everything. You know, I could talk about vintage cameras for a while, but um, and then I thought, oh, hey, let's do. Um, let me do. Uh, you know, I do a lot. I do a lot. Obviously, with this podcast, I do. I've done the post on this for some time now and with all the you know the music i mix i've been vocal editing for a decade really it's something i can talk a lot about but i thought do i really have enough can i really talk about this for more than 15 20 minutes and i started making notes and i i think that i can yeah well i like the topic because because vocal editing it's where i get to do stuff like vocal editing yeah has to spend <laughs> and time and post production and you right. can fix that you know no i can't fix that <laughs> Oh, I know you can. <laughs> it's but not challenge there. on, man. There it is. I, oh, I, I want to oh. hear that perfectly in, in the playback. What? I can, but I'll have to. I'll have to do an A B so that people know what that was. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, let's get into it. Vocal editing. So I, I wanted to make sure that this was not, you know, venturing too much into uh, stuff we've talked about before, you know, vocal mixing and vocal recording. But I do have to mention a couple of things. One is obviously, as with anything, it start, it, everything's got to start with a good recording. So anything you do well at the source saves you, you know, it's, uh, you know, what is it? Um, a stitch in nine saves five. No, the, uh, the penny... What is the, what's the expression I'm looking for? Yeah, all day long, you'll have good luck. No, more, more like a, 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 a stitch in time an, saves nine. No, an, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. That's the one I'm looking for. So like the better your upfront recording, the more you get right at the source, as with anything in mixing and recording, the more you get up, get good at the source, the less work you have to do down the road. So if your levels are good, if your recording is clear, it's in a clean environment, and ideally you have you know twenty four, um, you're recording twenty four bit, so you have nice headroom. Uh, then you know your job is so much easier later. So a recommend uh, you're recording vocals in twenty four bit to start. Uh, you're using a good microphone uh, with a pop filter uh, in a relatively clean and uh, treated space, whether <laughs> that's a closet. Or, a, you know, a vocal booth or, or, or whatever that isolates your vocal. Um, and your level is good. Level is super important. Um, ideally, just like, just like a final mix, it should be basically RMS uh, minus 18 with peaks around minus 6, I think. Um, the, trick, the tricky part about vocals is that, well, speaking is a little different. Like editing a podcast is usually a little different. Although I, <laughs> I tend to sit back or trail off. Um, most people's speaking voice, especially if they do podcasts a lot or interviews a lot, will be more or less consistent level as opposed to, say, singing, which is super dynamic. Um, you know, you have, you, even if you have good, somebody who's really good with mic technique, uh, you know, backs off the belting and comes in for the, for the intimacy, it'll still be such a, you know, very dynamic range um, that that's one of the things that makes, you know, vocal treatment and mixing, you know, tricky. Now that, um, that dynamic range is something that's great though. It's something that is desirable when you're done. So it is, it's not like you have to try to correct and normalize that or anything. Right. Um, it depends on the final usage. If it's just a podcast, I, you do want to, you know, a little compression goes a long way, but you know, you want to bring up the, the low stuff and maybe bring down the peaks. You never want to be clipping. That's one thing I will say about vocals. You, you definitely never want to be clipping because you can't get that out. You know, I, I mean digital clipping. I mean, yeah. you never want to hit the that red. But you can get a quiet vocal, but you'll have to bring it up. And if you bring it up, you'll bring up the noise floor. You know, you'll start to hear the other stuff in the room. The, you know, the air conditioner, the street noise or, or whatever, depending. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking mostly of home recorders because that's kind of our audience. Um, so ideally, you don't want to gain things too much. You want to get the good level at the outset. But you can. I, would, I, would, I think that you should probably gain things with uh, by either doing, you know, you, you know a trim plug-in to, to, to bring the level up or... Um, region gain or track gain to bring the level up uh, before you start doing things like uh, compression. And you, you don't want to do automation until the very end, I think, because that, that's hard to do to undo and you do a lot of other editing. 
Um, one thing that I do, I'm going to think right now about say, uh, when I'm editing podcasts, I do have, I do start with a good level. You start with a good level. We have that, you know, kind of dialed in. I, we both use gates. So that's something that we do. Say we get a vocal in and you want to edit it and you want to treat the space between the words, you know, the pauses when you hear things like, you know, people fidgeting around or bumping the microphone or touching the desk or touching papers or clicking a pen, you know, all that stuff uh, that needs to go. (laughs) Right. So um, a gate helps. A gate helps with that because uh, you can set the threshold uh, so that it basically turns on and and just stops any noise getting through below a certain certain threshold. I tend to keep mine around minus 38. I want to say some stuff will still get through on your, the noise floor that you have. Yeah, it's contingent on your room. I mean, and I, you'll I can see sit it. in this room. And, yes. Yeah. What I do, one of the things that I do, and, I know, and I'm like, I, I feel like now I want to go back and forth between things that I do uh, so that I, I have, you have practical uh, application and things that I wanted to say that are just like theory that you need to think about when you go into the process. But one of the things that I do when I, when I uh, am looking at a vocal that I'm editing is I, um, there's a, I mean, there probably isn't every DAW, but in Logic, there's a button you hit. That basically expands the, it doesn't turn anything up, but it, 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 you know, it expands the, the waveform, you know, so that the waveform gets bigger without actually turning anything up so that you can see all the peaks and valleys better. And that's an easy way to see all the little things in the, what's supposed to be silence, but is really like somebody clicking their mouth or touching a desk or picking up their phone or whatever. And those can easily be edited out. Um, now I'd like to stop you for just a minute because yeah, we please. skimmed over <laughs> we skimmed over one thing in passing uh, where you mentioned automation. And I think maybe that could use a little bit of clarification because maybe there's people going, "What's automation?" Oh, autom- yeah, automation is um, kind of what it sounds like. It's when and uh, if you've ever seen people pushing up a fader, um, you know, to to make things louder or softer, you can you can program that with uh auto what's called automation which is where you have your your digital audio workstation do movements up and down of volume you can do that with panning of course and everything else but um if say you have a passage that's mostly the same but one is really loud or one is really soft you can draw in some automation to have uh your your dot turn just that section up or down um, and then move on and leave the rest the same. <clears throat> I like to um, actually do it uh, live and record the automation. That's another way to do it. That's a, that's a pro move to, to record. The, if you have, it, it's hard to do with the mouse. You kind of have to have physical faders for that. Yeah. Or or use um, the digital touch screen faders. You can do that too. Yeah. I have a trackpad and it works really good using that. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a program called Logic Remote. You can use a like an iPad to do a, a virtual um, mixing board. Oh yeah, nice. uh, and control it remotely. I have not done that, <laughs> but I know that you can. I usually just draw in sections. There's also a great plugin from Waves. It feels like cheating because it's so good. Called Vocal Rider, and you can put that on a track and adjust the parameters and the threshold, and it will just ride your fader for you. It's a great way to get to kind of even out the dynamics without using a compressor, which may be a little heavy handed sometimes because uh, compressors can add color and 
um, weight and other kind of things to uh, track that just volume writing doesn't do. Um, actually, I like to volume write and then into a compressor, and then the compressor can add color and and even things out even more or whatever. Um, EQ is also super important. Um, I like to roll off the low end. Um, I have a different roll off for me than for you. Obviously, you have a more resonant tone. I roll you off at about 90, 95. And uh, I think I roll, where do I roll myself off? I roll myself off a little higher, about 100. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I've got a high pass on me at 60. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, you're still resonant about 80, 90. <laughs> And the the process, the post processing that I do adds some of that back. So I try to I try to make it so that we both sound kind of the same, like like one uh, one voice is not more resonant or or anything than the other. Like we're having a conversation in the same room is my goal to have it sound like that. Um, but yeah, EQ is really important, especially um, you know taking out that low rumble helps to get. Um, well, it doesn't really need to be there. Most voices don't have much down below say, you know, 100 or 80. Uh, in, a, in a mixing situation, you really can't hear that stuff, and it's just going to muddy up that space where the bass and the kick are supposed to live, so you don't, you don't really want that down there anyway. Um, My high pass is, is more for ambience uh, in the room. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean by rumble, like just like general room noise or whatever, uh, that kind of lives down there, you know, just touching your foot to the floor, all that stuff that really doesn't need to be in the mix or in the, in the vocal edit. I also like to use a shelf to give a little air up and top and, you know, I'll mess around with like the clarity areas and the, there's usually kind of like a muddy resonance around 200 that I like to scoop out a little bit. Sometimes, um, every voice, this it's hard to speak in general terms because every voice is different and you're talking about situations where you know, you may be you may be editing a podcast. You may be editing um, vocals for mixing. I mean, for um, yeah, for mixing a song. So it's all going to be a little different um, in terms of EQ. But EQ is really important for clarity and uh, just to make things fit together better in the mix. Um, there's another way to 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 um, to other than a gate. You can use a function that, depending on your DAW, may be called strip silence or other things. And uh, you'll have to really play with the parameters. But what that does is it takes a, a region and it will basically look for the waveforms. And it's kind of like a gate, but way harsher. And it will just basically like cut and leave only the sections that have waveforms and take out the sections that don't. And you can set the parameters like a gate so that anything that's just like a very small waveform will be silenced out completely. Um, that I I don't like to use that too much because it could be problematic. If you need stuff to sound like it's really in a room, then you're just kind of like suddenly where people are speaking, there's going to be some room ambience. And then when they're not, it's going to be just like falling off a cliff. Yeah. And it depends on the, on the, the frequencies of the room noise, because when you pull that out, it then applies that filter to all the audio. Right. And there could be, it could be pulling out frequencies from, that you don't want, you know, that you don't want to have pulled out because your vocals are uh, have harmonics in the same in the same bands as what's being pulled out. Inter interestingly, um, if you're a Reaper user, that plugin is called Reefer. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, 
<laughs> take me a second. Um, so on that note, uh, there's uh, I, I failed to mention um, some of the things that I, I like to leave in most of the time, uh, depending. And here's a here's a situation where compression might get you into a little trouble. Um, breath sounds, for instance. If you take, I feel like if you take all the breath sounds out in a song or in a podcast, it feels unnatural because you're, it's people and they breathe. And especially before a big belt, you know, people take an intake of breath. And, and sometimes those breaths act as ghost notes in a song. And compression really makes those stand out. And some songs, I'm like, go listen to a Nine Inch Nails song. You'll hear he loves to, have, he, lo- he loves the sound of just that compressed, uh, intense, breath to kind of give it it helps the intensity of that kind of music but with you know there are times when i will you know chop the audio right there and fade the breath so that it's not so calling attention to itself you know what i mean so when i'm editing uh audio that is one thing that i like to do is um fades little fades at the end uh, basically I like to do little fades at the front and little longer fades at the end of regions. Say I have a phrase, um, like the one that I'm speaking right now. If I'm going to cut next to those words, like before I started talking and after I finished talking, I'll do a little tiny fade at the front, and a little longer fade at the back end. And what that'll do is reduce, it'll, it'll cut out the possibility of any clicks and pops from audio getting cut off before it was completely silent and that's something that um i will i will find when i i, I basically i i um, audition vocals uh, in headphones so that i can hear all the little clicks and pops and uh, things but i the f- the short fade in front is because that's usually there's nothing there and i do a longer fade in the back because sometimes a word will trail off and if you cut it too soon, you'll like lose consonants and things. I find uh, sometimes something that looks like an artifact actually isn't an artifact. It's like the end of a consonant, like the T or a K, for instance. Um, so that's that's another thing that uh, that I like to do. So checking my notes. <laughs> oh yeah, I was just thinking about. <laughs> I think you mentioned a pop filter. And, mm-hmm. and then when you were talking about, um, not so much the clicks, I think those kind of still come through, but definitely the plosives and, and some of the S's, it kind of mm-hmm. soothes, it depends on your, on your filter and what it's, const- right. it's constructed of, but it can help there a lot too. Yeah. That gets into a whole, that kind of whole range of like really editing. So you have things like sibilance. Which I always I find, always find it funny, and maybe it's not an accident that the word sibilance has, you know, twice the twice the sibilance of a word that doesn't have any s's or sounds. Um, it's good to use, I think, a deesser there are, because there you, you have to you used to have to, you know, finagle a side chain and compressor and and EQ and stuff, and now you can just throw an EQ through a. a an anti-sibilance plugin on your chain and have it do the work for you. I like wave sibilance. I'm liking the new, um, Eosis one from, uh, from slate digital. Um, I, I like those two because they're set and forget there's, there's other ones, but that's a good way to kind of treat that 
sound, which, you know, especially if you're doing like pop vocals and you're trying to give it more juice at the high end, it really can kind of make the make if you're not paying attention or if you're not careful, I mean, you can uh, make it really kind of hurt (laughs) those those sibilant notes up there. Um, I like lip smacks. I don't like 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 lip smacks when people like I'm like me right now, I'm talking too much. And uh, my mouth gets dry and you can hear lip smacks. Those I will definitely edit out whenever I hear them. They drive me up the wall. But uh, but breaths I will leave in for the most part. I like the audition feature in the Waves Sibilance plugin. Mm-hmm. I like that you can see exactly what it's doing. The thing is, those plugins, you really, I have found, need to be light-handed with them. Yes. Because they do a lot of damage real fast. Sure. Yeah, you can, you can, if you, if you, uh, yeah, if you, you, you can make people sound like they're lisping if you, yeah, <laughs> if you turn them up too much. Um, funnily enough, I actually like, I like DSers on, uh, on guitar tracks and cymbals sometimes because it'll take some of that harshness out. Yeah, that's kind of a common thing to do. And it's also, it's also used like if you're, if you're adding some saturation, um, mm-hmm. and then you can kind of roll the highs off. Which maybe that might be something that you do on your compressor if you're or a transformer plugin or something like that. And yeah, I like transformer plugins and I like um, tape saturation for that to kind of take away that harshness and roll off a little bit of that high yeah. end and just kind of thicken it out. And, you know, obviously EQ is probably a way to go with that, but you can use um, a sibilance to kind of achieve the same end. Yeah, there's a funny thing about, and I think we talked about this in a different episode, but the the there's a there's a section of the spectrum that is kind of like I think of it as the clarity spec the clarity area, and that's around um it's around 10k. There's a there's an area where vocals kind of stand out in the mid range, and that's in the like 1,000 to 2,000 range. But right where the consonants live is right about the same place where sibilance is a problem. So it's really it can be a balancing act sometimes to to take away the harsh sibilance while maintaining clarity if you're trying to bump up a little at 10k but reduce a little sibilance but um like i said there's that section then there's the mud section around 200 250 and then i kind of like to roll stuff off below anywhere between below 80 and below 100 or 120 because it depends on the voice again and what you're doing with it there's another tool um that i like sometimes you'll get a really kind of poppy clicky vocal and this is more of a specialty tool that if you need it you need it and if you don't well you can kind of do some surgical eq or whatever but it's um it's the waves i uh, no, not waves no isotope um rx yeah they have a, they have there's a um there's a d-click they have a d-click uh plug-in and um you can put that on it well it'll there's a there's a it causes a delay so you have to do plug-in compensation but um, you can't really do it live while you're recording, but you can do it in the post. And it, yeah, it, it really does go through and finds those those little transient clicks from from mouth noises and and other stuff. Yeah. It's a it's a really good. Have you really ever for that. have you ever used spectral editing? I haven't because I've only recently uh, had availed myself of something that will do that. So it's like well, there's there's actually a spectral editing function in Reaper, but you can spectral edit in rx i believe although i don't i don't really use rx i've only played with it a few times Mm -hmm. and it's it's like taking it's like having a scalpel 
And right. you can really zoom in and then you can edit down to the milliseconds. So if you've got an offensive sound or noise, you know, in the original recording or something like that, you can go in and select an area. And as I said, the resolutions like, you know, down into milliseconds and select an area of the spectrum and isolate just the noise. And then you can attenuate it, just those frequencies, you know, just that audio. And you can apply compression or other plugins just on that selection. Mm -hmm. So it's really, really powerful. And then if you've got repeated clicks and things like that, you know, you can do one and then you can apply, you can basically copy and paste and, oh, really? and move those edits over to the same sounds that occur later in the audio, you know, if you have many of them. Um, so oh, that's really it, cool. It's really cool. I, I would suggest playing with it because it's, it's, it's quite fun to mess with and it works, um, it works really, really well for audio repair. Yeah, I understand it's really popular in the film industry. And also in the, um, like the restoration, like, if, like if you have old tapes, oh, sure. like people do that for a living where they take, they'll take old tapes and they got to transfer it to digital, but they got to take all the, you know, all the artifacts out. Um, yeah, it's supposed to be really good for that. It's, it's not cheap. I think it's in the hundreds of dollars range, but it's definitely worth it. Yeah. I just have the, I have the elements version, the RX elements, which is much more inexpensive yeah. and, um. It's the plugin form. It doesn't, I don't know if it even has the spectral editing in it. Yeah, it's built into Reaper. So it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's another plug for Reaper there. It's not yeah, even really Reaper. It's not really even a plugin per se. You just change. No, I meant a plug for oh. a plug for Reaper. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't begrudge you. But you're, hey, man, you know how you like view Reaper, your waveform while you're recording or, you know, or in playback even, um, yeah. you know, in your timeline, you just switch your timeline to, um, the spectral mode in Reaper. Oh, wow. And it, that's cool. It is. Anyway, yeah, plug for, plug in. <laughs> um, one thing I didn't mention, which is uh, like a. a what Leary say? Trick. Plug in, check out. Oh, it was a tune in. Yeah. What? Turn on, tune in, drop yeah. out, something <laughs> like that. Tune in, turn on, drop out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when I was talking about the dynamic range of vocals, uh, one of the th things that I, I meant to mention was a, a really a great trick that a lot of people use. They use it all the time um, to maintain the dynamic range, but still bring up the volume and thickness without without hurting the the delicacy of the the you know the higher stuff and to make stuff clear without you know beating it with a hammer is to do what's called parallel compression. Uh, which uh, the way I like to do it because I can see what I'm doing is I duplicate the track, put a compressor on the second version, compress it very heavily, and then mix it in underneath the first version. I find that that way is to me better than putting a compressor on the main version and then using the wet dry to, to do a fake parallel compression. I, I just, for some reason, I, it just sounds better to me to do it that way. But that's a great way to kind of beef up your vocals while maintaining the dynamic range. And then you can, if you want, you can bust those two together so that you can just have one fader to ride. Speaking of of riding faders, it is, if you're doing like volume, if, or even if it's volume automation or, or riding the faders, there's you'll never get artifacts from 
just using your faders versus if you were using some type of uh, uh, you know plugin for managing your your levels or something like that or applying compression or or other effects True. and things. So it's really one of the, in the digital domain. It's one of the cleanest ways to manage your volume levels when you're editing. So I always like to go to that first to see if I can get what I need fader writing to control, sure. you know, gain as it's uh, occurring in the editing process, you know, listening back to the audio playback. Yeah, it's super transparent. It's way more transparent than pretty much any compressor, yeah. I would think, because you're just, you're just changing the volume and you're doing it selectively. So you're not grabbing the stuff that you didn't want. Yeah, and, and I think that's up. in comparison to like a limiter. So if, you know, if you were using limiting to, uh, to boost your gain, mm -hmm. go to the fader first and see what you can get out of that and work on your gain staging with your faders first before you turn to a limiter. Yeah, I agree with that. And I was about to say something else. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, for compression, uh, when you do compress vocals, uh, I, I, I find that for the most part, optical compressors like an LA-2A, the classic vocal compressor, that's a good musical yet transparent and natural sounding compressor. Um, I also like the 1176 style. Um, and uh, those, are, those are very common vocal compressors, depending on what you're doing. Again, oddly and maybe uniquely, one of my workhorse secret uh, go-to compressors for vocals has always been this silly waves one knob louder, which oh, yeah. just kind of, it just adds a little touch of transparent volume. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just like that on the, I just like that on the vocal bus. It just kind of lives there. I don't even think about it anymore, but it just adds a little, a little something. Um, I was mentioning fades a minute ago and one thing that i do like to do with uh, vocal editing is cross fades like if i have to pull something together or or drop a, a word in to fix a word that was too quiet or mangled um i uh I'll, i like to do a cross fade so that uh, there's no there's no dropout there's no click there's no pop and uh, everything kind of blends better from one to another uh crossfade is when you have a region you drag it over another region and it and fade between the two different DAWs do them differently sometimes you have to click and tell it to do that um logic will do it if you have if you have drag set to crossfade it will do it anytime you drag one region over another even a little bit and uh, it's just a nice way to transparently blend regions together so that there's no pops or clicks um and you mentioned plosives which happens when you get a p sound a p and, uh, you know, you can, you can learn to recognize what that waveform looks like. Like if you're hearing a, you're hearing a pop or a click and, uh, if you zoom in, you can usually see it and you, uh, if it, it doesn't take that long to learn to recognize, oh, there it is. And, uh, I'll usually, what I'll do is chop it right in the middle so that I don't lose the clarity of the P. Cause if you chop it all the way off, then there's no there's no consonant to start the word. It's usually on the start of a word when somebody hits the B too hard. And I usually chop it right in the middle and do a tiny little phase so that you just get the sense of the p and uh, without the, the the blast that sends the, the volume up. That's all the tricks I have right now. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I went through my list and not in any particular order. So there's kind of like rambling all over the place. But um, that's, that's Matt's bag. 
that's that's my that's my vocal bag of tricks for editing um levels eq crossfade a little bit of compression um vocal automation in sections and uh gate <laughs> those are my big deals yeah outstanding you have anything uh anything to add to that there Doug? well if you're i think the only thing i i wanted to add is like to control your your noise floor that yep. uh, if you find that you're turning your preamps up too much mm. then um that's going to well it basically makes your mic signal a lot hotter right and what that does is it it brings all that ambient noise in with it and so if you can find that happy place in your mic pre-level you know and also that could be by adjusting your uh, your microphone proximity or you know standing closer to the microphone projecting more right there's just different ways to make your voice hotter in the microphone without having to use your preamp to bring that up so if you can set your mm -hmm. preamp lower you'll have less ambient noise in there but you'll need to compensate by either your proximity or how much you're projecting with your voice into the microphone yeah, good mic technique and and getting that level right at the outset. Of, yeah, I agree. Very important. Now, for me, I, cool. I I've got a a vocal. Well, I guess it's not really a. You could use it for other stuff, but for me, it's it's a uh, it's a channel strip, and I take the channel strip and run it into my into my uh, mic pre. My mic pre is actually on zero, and so all the gain that you're hearing is actually coming from my channel strip. And so um, by doing that, I have a strong enough signal without having to boost the gain. My, I'm only like two or three bars of, uh, I don't know what that equates to in dB um, right now because I can't see it, but of mic pre gain. And, but I'm um, maybe 60, 70% of gain in my channel strip. So my channel strip's really boosting it. It's kind of like a cloud lifter on a microphone, if you know what those right. are. So, you know, which is basically a, a, a signal booster. And But then I go into a really low set mic pre, and that really keeps the any ambient noise from coming in. And when you combine that yeah. with like a gate or something, um, then you can really attenuate the stuff that uh, that you don't want to be coming into your recording. Yeah, that's a really good point about not setting your input too hot because then you'll not only pick up your voice but you'll pick up all of the other noise that you don't want and that goes for the same of if you have a low vocal recording and you bring up the gain in your mixing uh, situation then you're going to do the same thing um so yeah so compensate with good bike technique good volume control and get that recording right at right at the start and then you'll have less work to do yeah good one matt hey right on Thanks for the opportunity to let me ramble on about, <laughs> about vocal editing. And I look forward to vocal editing this podcast later this week. Right on. I'm going to like do some, some gain automation before I send it over to you. <laughs> Just to see if I can undo it. <laughs> oh, too funny. Well, I missed you, Doug. All right, well, glad you're back. It's good to be back. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for tuning in week in, week out. We really appreciate you. We do. And we hope we hope you're having a great week. And we'd appreciate it if you would, would give us a review on iTunes. 
We would be so happy if you did that. We would love that. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot. <laughs> cheers. Thanks. Cheers. See ya. It's where I get to do stuff like vocal editing. Matt has to spend <laughs> and time and post-production. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Indie Music Podcast. Please like and subscribe, share with your friends, or just leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you've heard. Find our social links and episode guide at IndieMusicCast.com. Until next time, keep creating.